Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. Absolutely delighted to be joined by Sheila Walsh. Sheila, you're so welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Thanks a million, Susan. Great to be here. So, Sheila, 2020 was a bit of a roller coaster year for everybody, I think. But you work for an organization, a tech company in the travel business. So maybe you can tell me what it was really like at the cold face. I can, or I can attempt to. It surely was uh, a most extraordinary year this this time last year. All was good. We were planning our strategy for the year ahead from a people perspective. And yeah, pretty much from mid-February, we started to hear rumblings around COVID. And then my CEO and CFO had a meeting with the chair and an external ex-pharma guy. And basically after that meeting, CEO got the leadership team together and was like, okay, this is going to be serious. We need to plan. We literally did like a war room the next day, a full day. And, and kind of just went, you know, what happens here? What are we going to do? What are the decisions we need to make if this really goes as we think it may do? Because as you mentioned, being in travel tech, we had a sense that obviously the impact would be swift and immediate, which is how it transpired to be. So we kind of just moved to very practical, tactical, operational you know, decisions quite quickly, um, trying to just do very practical things around ordering laptops, enabling extra Zoom licenses, getting people set up at home, preparing for remote working, which was something we'd never done before. One of our USPs had always been all based in Dublin, pretty much. Uh, we've got two, two employees in the States. And then it was like, okay, distributed workforce pretty much overnight. So phenomenal bias to action to make that happen uh, really quickly over that couple of weeks. And, and pretty much by 13th of March, everybody was working remotely. Yeah, so that was, that was, that was just incredible. How many, Sheila? How many so that, that was like the goods of like 450 people. Whoa. Yeah, and also including, like we've got a customer contact centre and getting everybody set up remotely, like it was just phenomenal, um, absolutely phenomenal and a massive shout out to our IT guys who, you know, who, who made that happen. And there was kind of, it sounds ridiculous to say now, a bit of like, you know, excitement, kind of, oh, this is all happening now, you know, and we're all, and we're still like, Novelty. Oh, yeah, the novelty of it. Certainly, I think a piece around we had sunshine. It was March, April, May. It was really people were like, oh, right, this is happening. And, and everyone kind of, you know, pivoted to that. Zoom, there were the halcyon days of Zoom. Oh, what happened to Zoom? So we're all exhausted with Zoom now. We haven't found the, the touch-up appearance button at that stage. We've all found it since. Um, <laughs> but I, I think then behind all of that, so there was very much like we were focused on making that happen. But then behind all of that, then obviously uh, there was an impact on our business. And then our CEO and CFO, basically stepped away and said, we're, we're going we're gonna to figure out what we're going to do here. And, and the rest of the LT kind of, you know, manage the business, make sure that we keep things going. And, and to enable us to do that, we actually, we did something, we created like another focus because in a business, which is super focused on, you know, trading metrics, 
in a world where obviously airlines aren't flying, that has an immediate impact. Um, so we actually wanted to create clarity and focus for people because uh, we're extremely focused on strategic priorities. And so we just thought, okay, we're going to maximize for the bounce for when it comes and really focus on the internal things we've got influence over. So be it processes, things that are scalable, robust, all that type of good stuff to ensure everybody was focused and purposed and repurposed if necessary for that particular period. So I do think that was a that was a key piece as well about keeping people engaged um, throughout that time. We also made conscious decisions around creating, rolling out like our mental health at Cartrawler program. We had um, trained up about 25 people on being mental health first aiders. Our CSR team played a key role throughout this whole period as well. They had a whole strategy for things that were going to happen and plan for office-based. They pivoted immediately to how can we actually deliver the strategy while everybody's remote. Super sports and social team did the exact same thing. They were like, okay, everyone's remote now. What, what can we do? And like, Silly little things that might sound silly, but super important, like sending out biscuits, little treats, you know, doing things remotely, sending out wild wildflower seed bombs from our CSR committee, doing a stay at home challenge. And we were really trying to focus on being inclusive for everybody. So families involved, because obviously people are perched on the end of beds or kitchen tables or the most random places. Now their office is now their home. It's now their gym. It's now where they cook. It's there they eat. Like it's really challenging so throughout that time while this was going on and and we were kind of making sure everybody was repurposed and and focused on what we could control throughout this period of quite uncontrollable context and CFO and CEO pretty much went through a a sale process of the business so the business actually was sold and we got new owners throughout this process as well which is fairly phenomenal when you think about everything was 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 remote and, and nobody to this day even physically met our new owners so real roller coaster absolute roller coaster and and then yeah like then literally we came towards thinking we could see pickups you know you could see certain things because we can see obviously further out we can see pent-up demand and you're like going okay this is looking good coming into like end of summer but then like you could just see straight away as there were decisions made by governments quite rightly obviously around restrictions and quarantines immediately you would see demand move or shift so we could see once Spain put in their quarantine we could see demand move to Portugal but then unfortunately then that would change too so these were these were having real impacts as a result as an LT which is leadership team we we had to make some kind of hard choices and decisions then towards the end of the year and basically to right size our cost base for the next 12 to 18 months looking through that lens of you know we're confident and we could tell obviously there was a vaccines coming down the tracks However, there is a lag here. There is a time lag between the rollout and us seeing the tangible positive impact from that. So we we started a a process to do that towards the end of the the year. And basically by the end of the year, we did have a number of employees exit as part of that process. Really challenging, really tough. But I have to say, I'm so proud of everyone in the business, the people who are still with us and the people who left. They were fantastic, like absolutely fantastic. People were, you know, treated with dignity, treated with respect. We did all we could to support our people and um, delighted to say people left on good terms. We have some open roles and a couple of people who have left have referred people back to us and things like that. So for me, that speaks volume. So a, a tough time, you know, a tough time. We we limped towards the finish line of, of, of December. Everyone was exhausted and um, come back, re- re-energized and full of optimism for, for this year. So fingers crossed vaccines get rolled out. And we see the uptick in bookings and volume. 
and travel again yeah. because I think it's probably something most people miss also yes absolutely the, the ability to travel yeah. and you and I are both in the UK at the moment and getting back to Ireland is yes is <laughs> proving a problem yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's so it's so different it's it's kind of crazy we would never have imagined life mm. could be like this but Sheila, I think the thing that comes out there, you talked about everybody maintaining dignity and so on. So car trawler puts people first. And I, I don't think every organization can say that they put people first. How does that atmosphere work in an organization? That's a really good question. It's such an intangible when, when I joined Car Trawler, uh, and I'm there five years now, it was the thing I was most struck by was it's a really people-centric organization, people-centric culture. And somebody said to me a few weeks ago, culture is king in Car Trawler. And, I, you know, I would never have used that terminology, but it, it absolutely is. And I think it's just, it's such a team player-based organization that it's quite, quite unique in that regard. It's also, certainly, we've We've worked hard as an LT to, we really adhere to the Lencioni kind of model and framework and um, the five dysfunctions team. We have a team coach who whips us into shape every couple of months and, and, and keeps tabs on us. But we've really focused on the core fundamentals of organizational clarity, communicating that clarity, over communicating that clarity, minimizing confusion and politics. And when, when that's present, then you have the good stuff. And for me, the good stuff is that you're creating that environment for people to flourish and thrive. I think role modeling the good stuff too, like as, as leaders across the business, but everybody in the business, there is such a collegiate atmosphere. We don't nurture rock stars or mavericks or the big egos. And I've worked for so long in so many different companies. Like it's so rare. And I mean, I, I say this, I, I, the team is sick of hearing me saying this. This is such a moment in time. Like it's fantastic. We're so, so lucky to be together. It's like alchemy. But it all comes together. You're afraid it's nearly like the pixie dust. You're like, oh my God, if I, if I, if I press it too hard, it's not going to work. You know, it's brilliant. Like it, it really is. And I, I think because of that being present and that's what's celebrated. And so it's kind of like, it's low ego, it's humility, it's authentic, but it's credibility through knowledge. And they're like our core fundamentals for a leadership piece. So then the big ego, the bombastic stuff just doesn't wash, you know, it's kind of like that might work somewhere else. But that's not what that's not what was going to give here. So that's a really a really core piece. And, and as an LT, we work hard to ensure we're role modeling the good stuff. I'm not saying we do it every day, but we, we, we damn well try. But equally, we're very much around that whole peer to peer accountability, holding each other to account. Um, it's obviously results driven, but the most important piece is that we are we trust each other. We've got each other's backs and and it's, it's vulnerable trust. So it's about us being able to say Jesus like. I've, I've had a rough week this week, you know, and being able to lean on each other and, and that that's okay because not every day is fantastic and not every day you will be on top of your game and that's cascaded throughout the organization. Like, so I think pretty much anyone across the business would say they, they love their teammates. They love what they're working on. They're working on cool stuff. They're solving interesting problems. It's challenging. It's not for the faint hearted. And I say that to people at interviews, but that's, that's how we, that for me is how we, our culture manifests itself and maintaining that in a remote and moving to our hybrid world is definitely going to be our challenge going forward. Definitely. Just because I suppose it's, it's in a way, 
when you're together, you can pick up on body language and things like that as well, which is so much part of our communication. Absolutely. Zoom kind of doesn't allow for that as much, does it? No, it's, Zoom is very one-dimensional. And like, you spend so much time looking at yourself. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, if you're in a meeting, if you're in a meeting room, you, you don't, can turn obviously. that camera off, you know? <laughs> I mean... Zoom is, it, I mean, it is fantastic, obviously. It really, I mean, it's incredible when you think about it, but equally, you do have to keep out, for me, the nuances, looking at people, figuring out what's going on. Um, and the water yeah, cooler it, chat. Yeah, but it's really hard because you, you've no spontaneity in a remote environment. You have to schedule everything. And so it's about how do you create those opportunities that you would have had exactly, or you were nipping down to, we, we've you know, got a restaurant at work and you've been nipping down and you meet someone for a coffee. Oh, well, let's have a, you know, so that's just not happening. So that has been hard to replicate or to create the opportunities for that. But I'm confident we'll get there. We'll figure it out. But it is, it, you're right. It's, it's that trying to have those kind of impromptu moments or those kind of, you know, connections is, is more challenging. Mm, well, it's part of the pixie dust that you were talking about exactly. as well, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pixie dust is not very professional, is it? But <laughs> no, but it, but, it, but, it, but it conjures up a great image of something that it's almost like, wow, I'm so lucky to be working in an organisation mm. that's like this. Yeah. And, yeah. and even that carries you through, I guess, because there is an end in sight, as you say, with the vaccine and all of that. So... Hopefully yeah, you absolutely. get back too. But also I think what you say is very important, Sheila, about the leadership team walking the talk and not just expecting the rest of the organisation to... So you have a team coach. And what's that like? <laughs> well, it's just brilliant. I mean, yeah, I mean, Cormac, our CEO, when he joined us, he came from Australia. And certainly I would, I think, and I know from my conversation with Cormac, would be a few years ahead of kind of just thinking and, and that type of thing. And he'd, he'd been on his own journey, which you can, you can find on YouTube. And he, and he, he went down like, and hadn't been a CEO previously and, and you know, over his seven or eight years that was, was on his own journey and kind of learned the value of investing in your LT and actually really driving that cohesiveness. And so when he arrived, he, he brought that with him and quite quickly was he didn't wait he didn't delay he's like this is super important and and has been just pretty much religious about it so the so when I joined the team as uh, in, in my role at the moment it was it was just different but I mean as a coach myself and I've done lots of team coaching but it was different to be on the other end of it and it was it was really interesting our coach is fantastic he's absolutely brilliant and obviously he's built relationships with all of us now as well but I think the really the really great thing is uh, he calls us out. He doesn't let us get comfortable. And in fact, he's like, you're all getting a bit too comfortable now. And then he'll just throw in a bomb. He's like, oh my God. And it's it's fantastic because it's like anything. It's like any sports coach, like any sports team. They don't wait like every six months or two years or we've done something or we won't bother revisiting it. You have to, and, and for me, that's the key difference about the team that I'm working with and, and what, you know, that I'm in at the moment is, is the bar is, is constantly being set and it's it's fantastically challenging but in a good way and so yeah I mean it's it's great to have that resource it's super to have that investment it it makes us a better team and also I mean it gives you credibility with the business and, and we and we cascade it so we call it organizational health and and we always had this kind of premise that we wanted to be high performing and then this year we were like well actually it's healthy high performing so it's not mm -hmm. high performing at the cost of something oh I love so, that 
Yeah, so we, we, we actually, it might only be one word, but we inserted it into our org strategy when we did our review. And we're like, well, actually, it is about healthy, healthy high performance and, and then really focusing on cascading that, that organizational health piece. And it's very practical stuff. So it's all about like meetings. How do you run really good meetings and what meetings do you need when? Stuff like that. Just the cadence, the cascade, just being super focused on your strategy, your priorities. And, and one thing our team coach is brilliant at is really ensuring we ruthlessly prioritize and that we're constantly, that we don't just sit and go, oh, these are, and I'm not saying we would because we're not that type of team, but equally, um, it's just ensuring we don't get comfortable, we don't get complacent, and that we don't fall into uh, the roots of friendship or whatever within the team that we're kind of like, oh, I can't say that to that person now. So it's about that peer-to-peer accountability is a, is a really key piece whilst being focused on the results. So Sheila, if you had to describe in one word, what's the difference between another leadership team you've been in and this one, what would this one bring to life for you? Oh, that's how. Oh, not a woman of one word. Um, <laughs> okay, give me a couple then. Go on, give me a sentence. <laughs> the word that was coming up for me was, it sounds very refreshing. It is refreshing. And it's, it's and I, I was going to, to be honest with you, the word I was going to say was challenge, but sometimes challenge has a negative connotation. But I mean, in this respect that it's, it makes you want to be better and be better. And I think challenge is, is a great word. It, you know, and it's also, but you're right, it is refreshing. I think each of us, each of us are completely at ease with each other. We can also certainly be, certainly I can, I can speak for myself as well, we're like vulnerable with each other and be there, you know, be happy to pick up the phone to any of them. Like, I mean, we've, we've gone through a fairly tumultuous 12 months. We've seen each other's soft underbellies and kind of, you know, I mean, there was days last year and, and it was strange when we went into the very first lockdown, I felt quite separated from the team mm. and I was surprised at how much it impacted me because I, I headed west to my mum's in Sligo and I was super emotional and I really felt that I wasn't pulling my weight on the team. I felt that the rest were in Dublin, doing all the good stuff, saving the business, you know, all that. And I really felt quite uh, removed from it, but this was all a construct in my own head and we actually had a session with our team coach and we talked that out and it was just really interesting and it was just like well none of us saw that or whatever and it was just fabulous but I'm saying all of that now the words knots and tears and I was really like oh my god I'm dead emotional about this but as soon as I cried I was fine <laughs> and, um, but I, I can't I can't say it's just yeah I just it is there's a, so and, and there's an openness and honesty very much so. Like, absolutely. I mean, I do feel sorry for Cormac sometimes, my boss, because I'm sure at times he thinks I wish Sheila wasn't quite as honest. But um, <laughs> it's, um, it is fantastic. It is fantastic. Um, Brilliant. And it is, it is strange to think we haven't seen each other for such a long time. But it's, I mean, we've seen each other, sorry, but not, not in the flesh. But yeah. It's, yeah, it is refreshing. It's challenging. I, I just feel super lucky. Cool. So, I uh, Sheila, like you've, what, over 20 years... 25 years now in HR, longer probably, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> uh, how has the world of work changed in that time? Gosh. You must oh. have witnessed massive shifts in how employers and employees engage with one another. Huge shifts. And I think, you know, I mean, I started work when I was 17, but I mean, that was just all the reg- regular stuff, all, all kinds of family businesses and, and, and all the usual kind of things. And my first, what I would call proper job was when I started to work for Henkel, which was a massive German multinational and I had five years there. 
and that was my first exposure to HR, Susan. But it wasn't called HR; it was personnel. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and it it was in under finance, and and I think that was my first exposure. But it was actually great exposure because Henkel, being being the big, huge multinational that it that it was and still is, was actually really far advanced. When I think about it now, they were very much into personal development, very much into had really good structures, progression opportunities, very like a very kind of predictable, uh, and I mean it in in the nice way, you know, just salary compensation, kind of bonus, all that type of thing was very much just, you know, what they did. It was the first time I got exposure, not that I was on one myself, but I understood around leadership programs, identifying talent. And that was my first inkling into, oh, this is kind of interesting. And and the role I had there was a complete smorgasbord, which was brilliant. And I think that continued for so long in my, um, and I want to say career, I just, it was a sequence of jobs. I never look at it as a career as such, but you know, it's the word that's used, but it was very broad generalist. I did credit control there. I was, I was a personal assistant to the DGM who is still a mentor to me to this day, but that was my first exposure and it was personnel. It was in finance. And I think that the, the biggest changes I've seen have been HR or personnel were, were used to be very transactional. Mm-hmm. You know, it was covering off the, it was the hiring and it was paying people. Like it was just the real basic kind of transactional, mm-hmm. the hygiene factors, which are super important, but equally it is, that is just the, the contractual piece. I think as time has gone on and what I've witnessed has been just an absolute like pivot that people understand, depending on the business, obviously, but uh, and the operating model, people are centric to pretty much any business. I, I can't think of really any business that, you know, people don't matter. And, and I think then people started to realize and, and employers started to realize and businesses start to realize, actually, there's more to this. And also people need more, people need meaning and purpose. Like when they rock up to wherever they're rocking up to every day, no matter what they're doing, I really believe in the dignity of work. And I, I do find it ironic that in the last 12 months, the people who have come to the fore are our frontline staff, as we know, but equally the people who stock our shelves, the people in supermarkets are bin men, like people that who just just make sure stuff happens normally in the background. And there, there is, there is a, I think there's a learning in that for all of us. That, And I think there is that piece about that, you know, that humility about us knowing where we are in in the grand scheme of things. So I do think there is a, a, a huge pivot towards employers recognising that there's more to this than just paying people their monthly salary. Locking and in also, and talking out. Yeah, and, and, you know, and also you're in work for such a length of time. But it's, about, it's about creating that environment for people where they can thrive and, and get that meaning and purpose. And generally speaking, I've worked in some organisations that maybe weren't terribly purpose-led, However, people were finding that purpose, whether it was through they loved their teammates, they loved what they were working on, things like that. Because I think people seek meaning in different ways. So, you know, if they're not if they're not finding it, maybe from an organizational perspective, they find it in their immediate group and things like that. And that's why you have such strong connections at work. And if you have a really good manager, wherever you are in the organization, to me, that's always such a critical relationship. And yeah, so I, I think the, the main changes have been People realizing moving from the just paying people their salary, looking after holiday records, those basic things, and really recognizing that investing in people, developing people, giving them stretch and test, all that type of good stuff is is a is a huge piece. And and obviously the most one of the most fundamental changes has been that mindset change of jobs for life. That just doesn't exist 
anymore and it wasn't anything I necessarily bought into myself but loads of people did of our age group students was like oh this was the big kind of thing to, to search for but in reality I just see there's just we will have many roles throughout our lives and so for me that's why the fundamental skill set that you bring to each of them is the key bit and if you deepen it in certain areas that's fantastic but actually building out and broadening that skill set just really strengthens you as you go through rather than maybe getting into a rabbit hole of a particular area. But yeah, I think they're the key changes. Mm. And so that's interesting, the rabbit hole, because people definitely go into rabbit holes. And I know I've done it myself. How do you recognize you're in there? Good question. I think the thing is, some people are delighted to be in a rabbit hole. That's fine. That's true. That's true. I think the worst thing is to try and to force someone to do something that thing. So some people are happy out deepening their expertise in a particular area. And that's that's great. Or, or being where they are and happy with that too. But I think equally, if you start to get comfortable, and I think if, you're, if you haven't learned something new in a while, or if you haven't been challenged, if you find that you've actually, oh God, it's a year since I've actually, I think, I think, Having that growth mindset is just one of the key pieces to staying alive, staying engaged, even if it's learning some new skill outside of work or something. I think that's really important. And it just keeps things fresh because everything's changing all the time, even if it's just to make a commitment to read an article in something every month or whatever. But how do you recognize it? I don't know. I think sometimes people get a bit of a shock. I think sometimes it's when they might look across and they see the teammates like, oh, why did they get that? Or I haven't, but I, I do think there's a personal responsibility piece here that people own their own development. And I think we as an organization do create a lot of opportunities and we're actually, we're going to be creating more. We're launching our own Thrive Development Program in, in the coming weeks, which I'm really looking forward to. But equally, that's just something we're launching. We're not going to be asking every single person in the business, oh, by the way, have you done? There is a sense of you, you own your own development. You own your own career. And I think we, we definitely maybe have enabled employees at times to think, oh, we're handling these things to you on a plate. That's just not, that's not how it is. So if you, if you want it, it, it will be there. Go and get it. Exactly. Or come exactly. and get it. Even. Or come and get it and, and yeah. own it and, and be accountable. So I definitely think there's, I think providing those opportunities are key, but equally people then come and go, okay, I, I want this rather than just here it is on a plate, you know? No, totally. Because if you're self-motivated to get involved, then you'll, you'll keep going as well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And what about, Sheila, managing work-life balance? What does that mean to you? Um, work-life balance. Not so great on the balance now. That's okay. <laughs> it means different things to everyone. <laughs> I, you see, I think, I think you can chase something and I maybe feel kind of this, this, I don't know, disgruntled or something that you don't have it. I mean, I love work. I always have loved work. No matter what job I've had, I've always loved it. I'm just one of those weird individuals, as my sister's hawk calls me. Um, but I also have a great cross. Yeah, you love I, I, work. I do love work. And I've always been, I've, I've just, I've, I always have done. And, but I have a great life too. My family as everyone's family, is, is, is just so important to me. My niece and nephews, the best job I have is being an auntie. Absolutely love my niece and nephews. I have for 12, from 30 down to seven. So I've got like from all kinds of random stuff to deal with on WhatsApp and God knows what else. But like, yes, it can be challenging for sure on occasion. But equally, I definitely know at this age how to mind myself, to look after myself. I've bored everyone at work by telling them that when the time changed last October, that I started to go for a walk at lunchtime. Um, love walking. And it's just 
it's become this thing now that I'm just obsessed with. And what's the most, and the thing I'm most ashamed of is like for years in the office, I never did this because I was too busy, you know, which is just ridiculous. But I work hard. I always have done that. I don't think that will ever change. But equally, I do have a, a re, I'm really lucky to have a great life. I've got a great partner. And yes, sometimes there's, I'll go, okay, I just have to stop working. And, but good diary management. We've got really good cadence of meetings. As an LT, we all hold each other accountable on this as well. Like we're very, and it sounds really basic, but we're really good at managing diaries, managing, you know, that type of thing is just really, those hygiene factors are super important. And yeah, just working, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress, you know, it definitely is a work in progress, but constantly striving to, to get there. But equally, I'm not a person who gets stressed terribly easily. And as anyone knows me, I've got a very loud laugh and I laugh several times a day, which I think is a great stress reliever, to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I don't, I don't, yeah, like just if it's tough times and we've had tough days, they will pass too. And I, I am quite philosophical about things. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all good, you know. It's also your, from, from working with you and reading your profile, even you talk about being pragmatic and hands-on. And I think that's part of it as well. You're, you're always going to get stuck in, aren't you? I am, even though Cormac tells me religiously to sometimes get out, uh, <laughs> get out of the weeds. Yeah, learning to be more strategic over the last couple of years has been a challenge for me personally, but definitely I am, I do have a bias for action, but I have a fantastic team and um, they're absolutely fantastic. And it is, it has been brilliant to see, to, to, to let them rock on as well. And, and, and I just kind of guide them. I, I am hands-on, but equally, you know, I have noticed, and I've really tried hard to learn over the last couple of years to, to enable and empower the people who are on my team. I have to step out and that's really important and and trust it is about trust and, and and we have as our coach tells us trust and verify so you're trusting and you're then you're verifying that that the expectations are, are you know being met and whatever and being set and being met but uh, yeah it's it's being strategic can be a challenge sometimes the avoidance technique I you know just avoid any you know oh I'll keep really busy doing the small things which is ridiculous but but it's been great I've had a super coach over the last 18 months as well myself who's just been religious about keeping me on track and I've learned some really simple techniques and frameworks and models to help me do that and that has been fantastic that has been really good as well so I've been really really fortunate to have had that investment too brilliant great that's great and uh, so maybe what do you enjoy most about working at car trawler just to send us off Sheila <laughs> send us off on our afternoon <laughs> I'm learning every day I'm learning every day mostly about myself <laughs> but I, I that's that's honestly the truth I, like I am learning every day and I'm just I'm, I love it like I am really it, it is fantastic I'm super proud of being in the LT um proud of our people uh proud of what we've achieved and really excited about what we will achieve and yeah, and that's, and that's what gets me out of bed every day. And I just believe we've got so much more we can do and deliver. And I'm excited about that as well. So that's, that's, that's what excites me. That's what, that's my meaning and purpose when it comes to Car Trawler, which is, I'm super proud of, proud of it as an organization and to be a part of it. It's fabulous. That's brilliant. Uh, and it's really brilliant. And I hope anyone listening can feel, feels the same about wherever they work, because it's possible. Oh God, it's so possible. I, I mean, I've spoken to lots of people and I mean, obviously I'm, I'm a coach as well and I've coached people and, and like, if people can't find it in the organization, find it within some part of it or within your role or within your team, because it is hard. And, and like a lot of times it's, it's senior leadership just might not, might not kind of, you might not buy into them or whatever that might be, but 
find it within your microcosm of your part of work or whatever that might be. Um, but I do know how lucky I am. I absolutely do. <laughs> That's so cool, Sheila. And if anyone wants to connect with you, I guess you're on LinkedIn. I am indeed. Yes. Um, yep. I am on LinkedIn. I was going to say that photo. Oh, God. <laughs> When, the, when, the, when they aged those photos last year, every time I see that photo, my car for all the photograph, my nephews had aged me on that app and that's on that photo. So every time I see that photo, I just look like, you know, some haggard wizard something. So yes. <laughs> Everyone's going to be checking that. you out now, you know that. Yeah, check it out. But actually, I should put that photo up there because it's just hysterical. But yes, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect. And, you know, Susan, thank you so much. It's been super to talk today. It's been lovely. It's been a real pleasure, Sheila. Thank you for coming along and for being so open about yourself and also where you work. It's uh, it's a real help for people. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks a million, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.